hello and welcome back to Forster's More Than More Graduate Recruitment Special Podcast where we're focusing on myth busting. Today I'm joined by Catherine Eakers, she's one of our commercial real estate partners and also on our graduate recruitment panel um, and she joined Forster's many, many moons ago. <laughs> <laughs> so many as a, as a trainee, so she's gone all the way through the through the I was going to say system, but I think ranks is better. <laughs> yeah, sound less institutional. Yeah. <laughs> and joining Catherine and me today are Tatiana and Ollie, two of our trainees. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Um, so today we're myth busting the right and wrong answers in training contract interviews. Can I come over to the two of you and ask you whether you think there's a right answer to the questions that you get asked during an interview? <laughs> Uh, so I definitely remember thinking there was, <laughs> um, there must be. Um, I was trying to remember exactly what I was most paranoid about. I think um, I was coming at a training contract, right, applying for training contracts from the point of view of a career change. One of the sort of big, you know, advice when you're applying, um, I think, to any job is be able to explain a, a gap on your CV. And so because I'd quit my job in my previous career not knowing what I'd wanted to do and then actually just taking some time to work out before I eventually settled on law I obviously had this big glaring gap of a few months where I hadn't had any kind of career per se um, so I think that was the one I was quite anxious about having to come up with some story essentially to explain this um this gap and um and it inevitably did come up in interviews and eventually I just had to settle down with ha- explaining my exact thought process behind having left without necessarily knowing what I wanted to do and just settling down to that being enough. Which it obviously is, isn't it? <laughs> valid and, and how sensible, what, what, what a great thing to have done, to have taken some time and thought about what you wanted to do and come at it with a well thought through conclusion of, yeah, law is what I'd like to try next. But I, I can understand why, I completely understand why you're worried about that. That's, and it's definitely, it's something people definitely say, isn't it? Oh, a gap in your CV is a problem. But I think more and more now, people have a growing respect and awareness for the fact that you're not, you don't magically from 15 onwards know exactly what you're going to do for the next 60 years of your life. And that there will be periods of reflection and consideration and evaluation and <laughs> um, that you may have, anywhere between one and many many careers and yeah you, know, you can't magically <laughs> hop between them <laughs> can you it's, it would be kind of worrying if if you did magically suddenly wake up Monday morning and say right okay now I know exactly what I want to be it wasn't what I wanted to be on Friday afternoon it's something different <laughs> no exactly and I think it was yeah like I say it was um feeling that there must be some secret answer to make that sound impressive rather than a weakness or anything and yeah I think I guess as I say in the end I just had to sort of settle down into explaining the, the ex- exact scenario. And Ollie how about you did you have any sort of questions that you were asked that you sort of felt you couldn't quite get the right answer? It's an interesting one I feel like if you're an applicant, it's potentially important to sort of shift your mentality from seeing questions as, especially at forces, I can't speak to necessarily other firms, but um, questions from um, those that are trying to catch you out 
and seeing them more as opportunities, I think. So um, one of the questions that I was asked in my funnel interview was, uh, it's a bit of a sort of forces classic, and hopefully this is sort of well-known, not giving away trade secrets or anything, but um, is um, why the West End as opposed to the city? Um, which Because obviously one of the, you know, the biggest selling points of, of our firm is, is working over here away from the skyscrapers and that sort of thing. And I had, um, obviously, I, I, I was sort of expecting this question and I had my response planned out. And um, But on the day of the interview, I was sat, this is the sort of story that I always go to, I was sat um, in a nearby park and I was sort of revising my notes um, half an hour before the interview or whatever. And next to me, sat um a couple um and i'm not joking here they had about six or seven parrots on on both between them sort of on their shoulders just like talking to them and feeding them also that really really strange thing to see and i suddenly thought to myself you know if i do get that question what better thing to say than you know you just wouldn't get that over in Moorgate or any of that <laughs> you just wouldn't see that sort of thing and uh, actually and, and I said to myself I was walking to my interview you know I can't I can't do that I can't can't go that sort of dangerous um, but I did and actually I'm so glad I did because it was it was probably the only question that I felt like was definitely my best response of all the things that I was asked in the interview so I was pretty happy with that but um, to speak more generally about questions I think there's certainly no getting away from the fact that there are definitely wrong responses to questions. Um, but everyone, if you're a sort of switched on applicant, you will know about that. Um, but I think my story, hopefully, if anything, goes to show that it, questions are opportunities to show a bit more about yourself and a bit more about the things that you notice. And um, hopefully, if you know if you're a good fit for the firm, then those sorts of elements to your character will align with the people that you're interviewing with and it will sort of help you out in a way so that, that's my story anyway <laughs> yeah I think um I think you're right Ollie that the questions are definitely not there to catch you out um, absolutely yeah I think the thing that is really easy to forget when you're desperately manically trying to prepare for an interview is that as an in as a future trainee you're not the finished product um so it's really different to interviewing someone who's really four years qualified when you have a role that you'd like them to fill and you're looking for certain skills that they can already do demonstrate demonstrate yeah. because you you have some work that they need to be able to do from day one that's completely different and in that scenario there are wrong answers in the sense of like it might just not be the right they might not have the right skills for the job you're looking for at that point in time that's just not the case with future trainees because nobody has any skills. <laughs> you can say that again. Yeah. <laughs> legal notes, really, without potential. Um, you know, you're you're trying to work out. That's not meant to sound offensive, obviously. Um, it, it's all about trying to work out will this person be a good lawyer in four, five years' time? Yeah. It, it's not about them being a good lawyer next week um, or even next month. So the questions are all designed to try and draw out from people the way their mind works and therefore look for parallels in terms of you know kind of yeah logical reasoning and objectivity and people skills and commercial awareness but they're all parallel things that are then would be useful in showing an aptitude for being a good sister mm. in private practice you're not actually demonstrating that you currently are a good sister in private practice so if you think about the questions in that way, they're, they're really just trying to get at yeah, who you are, how you think, 
and and what is it draw out your personality because it's so hard to get to know someone through a written application form yeah the interview is really the only chance you've got of really exploring you know like getting the things that you don't get in just polite chit chat over a sandwich and things because those those bits are all all really ways for the applicant to find out more about the firm not the other way around um so the interview is, is is trying to work out how people think and things like yeah what they're looking for you know and, and that question about why the west end you know it's, it's because it's a massive investment for a firm taking on trainees you know it's a huge cost to the business and the aim is to take on trainees who will be at the firm for many years to come and so you want to be sure that the people you're taking on really do want to come to Forsters and they don't just want any training contract because you know let's be honest like if we were all offered a training contract without having to make any applications at all the temptation would be to say yeah thank you very much I'll take that it's only two years um how bad can it be and so you know it, it's it, the firm is just as concerned as the trainee is about probably more so about finding trainees that really do want to be at the firm it's just the start of the process that I was mm. thinking about this earlier in that really the training contract is the start of your sort of journey. And as Catherine says, it's a huge investment for the firm. And it's both about, you know, is the firm right for you and are you right for the firm? And, you know, our job is to mould you into excellent lawyers Obviously, you know, that's a that is a two way process that's incumbent on the firm to, you know, help you succeed in that respect. And obviously incumbent on, on you guys to 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 put in the effort and, and do that yourselves as well. But it is kind of a partnership. And that's really mm. what the interview is sort of trying to tease out. I, I would... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and sometimes there are candidates who clearly demonstrate loads and loads of great skills and great potential. And this is quite rare, but but then have one element where you just think, oh, like, and you really, really desperately like asking them more questions to try and draw out. I remember one like one example, for example, someone who she's a very, very strong candidate, but she she didn't really seem to have any sort of teamwork. Every question you asked about teamwork, it started with an I, and it was about how I led this or how I, you know, was the driving light behind that. And we tried so hard and asked her so many questions about it. And she just didn't have anything that she could say where she worked with people rather than basically being in charge of them. And it was a really difficult decision. But in the end, we didn't offer a training contract because that's such an important part of being a solicitor is working with everybody. And, you know, sometimes when you're talking about applicants afterwards, you talk about, well, is this something trainable or, or is it not? And there are certain kind of innate characteristics where it's quite rare where they're sort of not trainable when when someone demonstrates something to such a degree you think actually you're probably not the right fit but nearly everything is is trainable and it's it's about showing initiative and enthusiasm and keenness and a willingness to as Marie says be molded and grow and learn sort of along the way yeah and also not forgetting that the learning journey goes on for the entirety of your career yeah. you won't know everything as soon as you become a newly qualified you never know everything, never know Ever. everything. <laughs> i had oh, i was really sweet actually someone asked me relatively recently they were due to qualify and they said oh, they're really looking forward to qualifying this solicitor because they felt like then they would finally know what they were doing mm. i had to break it to them that unfortunately you basically never know what you're doing <laughs> You know, and, and, and sure, you get to know more, but then you're obviously always doing things that are ever more challenging. So, 
you, you know, you're never at this place where you can say, I know everything about this area of law. Um, Actually, if you do ever reach the place where you think you know everything, well, then that's a really dangerous yeah. position yeah. to be in. You're definitely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to Catherine's example of how not to show you're a team player, Tats, what are some good sort of um, options for showing that you are a team player? How would you kind of approach that? Oh, well, I think it's sort of picking up on Catherine said, I, I just remember talking about, say, the projects that um, I had done in my previous job where we had been collaborating as a team. Um, so it, my job was marketing, which obviously involved a lot of creative um, sort of processes. And that was always an environment that worked really well as a team because you bounced off people's ideas. Uh, so I think I... Yeah, lent on one of those and lent on an example of being one person who built on somebody else's idea and then somebody else built on it and we and talked about the product that we had created as a whole rather than saying specifically I mean you do have to obviously say what your role was within the team but it was very definitely not <laughs> recruited people around me to fulfill my vision sort of thing. I mean, yeah, that's exactly. just even sort of linguistically, when you started talking about that, you started using we, even now you were talking about we did this, which, you know, is a small sort of change to make, but it is really powerful, I think, rather than, and I often sort of start emails talking about we, even though sometimes yeah. it's just I, but it certainly, I think, sounds a lot more inclusive Collegiate. Yeah. yeah and I think and and you know I think that was quite a rare example most most of the time people it's the other way and people don't are too self-effacing and almost talk too much about we and not enough about I because you know you do have to showcase sort of initiative and leadership skills in an interview much more so than in normal life but I think it's it's partly perhaps thinking about the question as well and what, what is this question talking about if they're asking for examples of a team they're asking about we and teamwork compared to questions aimed at leadership and initiative yeah. mm. when you could use you, you know you could use an almost identical example but change ways to eyes a bit more and, and it, it could be a good answer to a different question but it's very easy I think in the panic of an interview to not actually think about like not hear the question and answer what you think it is rather than what you've actually been asked yeah and that also goes to another sort of right and wrong as I remember feeling like I had to have the right answer up on the tip of my tongue immediately and also again I had just having to calm yourself down and allow yourself the sort of five seconds to think about it and and um, I always think it's good to know like sort of remember that a silence feels much longer to the person who's trying to come up with the answer than it does to the people who've asked the question so actually just absolutely relaxing about that time is, is yeah, uh, definitely that's so right that's to, you know it doesn't feel like a long period at all when you've asked the question and there are also other things that you can do to give yourself time to think like to I was just take a sip of water. water what are some of the techniques that you know because we need to do that in other situations as well so that you can just give yourself a moment to think so I quite often if somebody asks me a question and I, I just need a minute I'll quite often just take a pause and then say that's a really interesting mm -hmm. question because that automatically buys you some time you can pause before you say it you can say it and then you can pause again or take a sip of water yeah what's the what would you yeah. do Ace? I think that's a really interesting question it's a good one and pausing and taking a sip of water is a good one too it's also completely fine to say 
do you mind if I take a moment to think about that? That's completely fine. The only thing I'd say is don't say that for every single question. You know, a couple of times, and two or three times in the interview, really fine. Um, but if you do it every single time, it becomes a bit, which I have had occasionally, it <laughs> becomes a bit repetitive. Yeah, don't say that's an interesting um, question before every yeah. question. Um, but, and even, even just pausing and counting slowly to 10, whilst you think that won't be a long time, you know, that, that that's not a length of time that needs any justification. Because, yeah, you, you very, it's really common to have people who start talking and they're just talking <laughs> because they haven't really heard the question. They've heard like one word of the question. I was going to say it's so much better to to take the time and not end up in a sort of rambling loop. I th- yeah. you know, that looks so much better, doesn't it? And your heart, like you really feel for them because after about two and a half minutes of slightly rambling chat, they, they sort of have this panic look on their face because they realise that they're not sure what the question was. They can't remember what they've already said mm. and they don't really know how to wrap it up. And we will say things like, you know, pause, take your time. It's really fine. Do you want to start over? You know, and, that, and that's, and if, if someone does say that to you, it doesn't mean, oh God, why I'm getting this really wrong. It just means they want, they want you to be able to demonstrate who you really are. And so they are genuinely saying, do you want to start over? it's not it's not a trick question it's I was thinking about this because Adele is uh, known isn't she for starting when she starts singing one of her songs and she thinks she doesn't like how she's singing it she'll just start over and she does it without any sort of embarrassment she'll just say let's start I need to start again let's reset and sometimes mm. if you feel that you're going off down a rambling path it's, that's the moment yeah. to just take a pause and say sorry do you mind if I just you know restart my answer and that's a sign of emotional maturity and yeah sensible logical thinking again don't do it every single question no. that 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 then becomes a sign of indecision <laughs> but, <laughs> but but a few times is, is fine the other thing is knowing how to kind of wrap a question up you know when you've given an answer if there's a sort of silence don't feel that you have to fill it i mean that's not to say just give a one sentence answer but some somewhere in between a sort of five minute monologue yeah or, or saying or, or you answer the question and then you say pretty much everything again in a slightly longer slightly less coherent way that's very common because people sort of go full circle with the answer and then they carry on again and I used to do that probably still do sometimes um but sort of like you have to actively practice like stopping yourself and thinking have I answered the question yes I think so okay I will stop talking (laughs) (laughs) you have to be like the little person in your head saying that to yourself yeah I always found that um my technique for sort of marking the end of it was to as confidently as possible say something like I think that's how I would answer that or or some sort of like bookmark at the end just to yeah almost reassuring yourself more than the interviewers that you know that's what that's that's how I'm ending this essentially (laughs) Otherwise, it is it is so tempting to sort of just keep adding in the hope that you know you'll say something else useful. But you really will, I think, after you've said the main yeah, the main it's point. Really tempting. But also remember to pause long enough as well so that people, the interviewers, can interject because the best kind of interview is more of a chat. But if you're talking and talking and talking and there's never a pause, they can't do that because there's no chance for them to do so um, without interrupting you, which people don't really want to do. So yeah, if you leave good long pauses, even whilst you're speaking, then actually people, interviewers can say, oh, well, that's an interesting point. Could you tell us more about that? Or 
you know, or, or sort of and an slightly like turn it more into a conversation. Yeah, that might actually act as it might help as well, mightn't it? Because it's more of a prompt to then go into a bit more detail about mm. something that maybe you've just skirted Touched over when or, there's actually yeah. something really interesting to be said about that. Yeah, the nice way of as an interviewer without wanting to make people feel bad. If, if they have kind of slightly missed the point of the question, it's a way we would try redirect. and redirect it. Yeah, exactly. And kind of give them another chance to answer it without saying you haven't really answered that question because that's, no one needs to be told that. <laughs> <ever>. <laughs> I think all of this connects back essentially to a lot of these mistakes that I, I'm hearing sort of um, Catherine talk about. Um, are they they stem really from feeling very nervous don't they and i think it's important especially again can't speak for other firms but it's important to remember that at forces that they're not asking questions for the sake of it each question is designed i certainly felt like in my interviews each question was designed to get the best out of out of me and and sort of best assess whether or not i was suitable to work here and i think as long as you remember that then actually you know you can take your time you can you can come up with with more interesting more sort of more useful answers to things because you won't be so nervous that each question you're being asked is is designed to trip you up and I, I, again i i can't emphasize enough essentially how that isn't the point of the interviews here is to trip you up there's no there's no sort of there was definitely no sense of that i feel like we should wrap this up by using ollie's and that's how I would answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that's a helpful technique. But... <laughs> I might start using it going forward, Ollie, any time. <laughs> that's <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. If listeners would like to know more about the graduate recruitment process, you can head over to that area of our website on forsters.co.uk. Follow us on all the usual social media platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And until next time, goodbye. Forster's Mandalore podcast is for general information only and should not be considered to be professional advice. Forster's LLP accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct or consequential loss arising from the use of, reliance on or reference to this podcast. LLP makes no warranty or representation as to the accuracy of the information contained in this podcast. The more than all podcast and all copyright in it is the property of Forster's LLP and it should not be used, reproduced or quoted whether in whole or part without Forster's LLP's prior written consent. <laughs>